Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to John, the 10th chapter beginning with the 22nd verse. The time came for the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. The festival of dedication is what we know of as Hanukkah. The time came for the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter And Jesus was in the temple, walking in the covered porch named for Solomon. The Jewish opposition circled around him and asked, How long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never die and no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. During my second year of seminary, I served as a ministry intern at Gibsonville United Methodist Church in Central North Carolina. Anybody know where Gibsonville is? Oh, there are a couple. Gibsonville is close to Elon College, if you know where that is. It's a small, rural, southern community. Uh, For those of you who remember the old TV show Petticoat Junction, you know Gibsonville. One of my assignments as an intern was to teach the young adult Sunday school class. And on one of those first class assignments, class teachings, I I chose to teach from John chapter 10. We were working our way through the gospel of John. And in the gospel of John chapter 10, beginning with verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Sheep and shepherd. It's an interesting metaphor. And so I thought as I begin the class, I'll just ask the question, what do we know about sheep? I mean, after all, Jesus is claiming this title for himself, Good Shepherd. He must be trying to tell us something about the relationship of 
Jesus with his people and a shepherd and sheep. So I asked the question, what do we know about sheep? Now, I should admit, I didn't know anything about sheep. Probably my total exposure to sheep at that point in my life was at a petting zoo or something. I also didn't realize, since I was new to this church and class, that all of the members of the young adult class had either grown up on farms or or owned farms, and they had experience with sheep. So I asked, what do we know about sheep? And every person in this class, with absolute agreement, without one exception, said, sheep are stupid. I said, really? Oh, yeah, sheep are really stupid. Apparently, sheep just aren't very smart. They're 100% dependent upon their shepherd or their owner. They have a tendency to wander and get lost. And of course, they're extremely vulnerable and defensive. They're, they're cute, they're fluffy, but not intelligent. The, the biggest problem with sheep is that they eat. That's what they do primarily. They keep their head down, they eat the grass that's right in front of them, and when they've eaten it up, they take one step forward and eat that grass. And when they've finished that, they take one step forward and they eat that grass, never recognizing that they're all going off in many, many directions. That's why you need sheepdogs. That's why you learn how to herd them. They, they need direction. What was Jesus saying? That he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. <laughs> this idea did not originate with Jesus, though. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. His rod and they staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 40, 11. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. He will gently guide the nursing ewes. Isaiah 53, 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We eat a little grass, we take a step forward, we eat a little more grass. And then comes Jesus who says, I am the good shepherd. What is Jesus claiming about himself? And and even more than that, what are we gathered here this morning to make of the Bible calling smart, sophisticated, modern, well-adjusted, successful, good-looking people like you and me Sheep. Sheep are stupid. Now, I've never actually seen this happen, but I've been told by people who have that in places where shepherding sheep is a a common thing and, and where they graze in open areas like in the Middle East, when multiple flocks of sheep gather at the same river or stream or watering hole, what often happens is that different flocks owned and led by different shepherds tend to intermingle at the watering hole. And there's just no way, since sheep often look a lot alike, to manually separate them when the shepherd is ready to move on. And so sheep might be stupid, but they do have one particular ability. They recognize the voice of their shepherds. Shepherds just call out to their flock, even though they're intermingled, and the sheep will look up and they will follow their shepherd obediently. 
Isn't that interesting? I wonder if that image, that fact about sheep and shepherds tells us anything today. And so Jesus was with his disciples. It was in the winter. It was the season that we know as Hanukkah. And Jesus was in Jerusalem with his disciples. And when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he spent much of his time in the temple. And oftentimes he found himself in conflict with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. And so they confronted Jesus. They said, how long will you test our patience if you are the Christ? Another word for Messiah. If you are the Christ or the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now we need to be clear here. These who are opposing him were not just waiting for Jesus to say that he was the Christ so that they could believe in him and follow him. Rather, they were trying to trick him. They had already made up their minds about Jesus. And if he claimed to be the Christ or the Messiah, it would give them ammunition. They could hold it against him. It would be considered blasphemy. Jesus, of course, knew their hearts. He knew what they were up to. And so he responded, I've told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. You're not part of my flock. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sound familiar? I give them eternal life. They will never die and no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. In other words, in modern language, I think Jesus is saying something like, in this world of competing voices and claims of authority, I call my sheep and they know my voice. My sheep know their shepherd and they trust them. If you, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, were my sheep, you too would know my voice, and you'd know the answer to your question. You'd already know that I am the Messiah. Jesus is saying that his sheep know their shepherd, and he's pretty clear that they must be following some other shepherd. I'll let you decide who that shepherd is. But us, gathered here this morning, followers of Jesus Christ, we know our shepherd, we know the sound of his voice, and we respond when he calls. Don't we? Don't we? Or do we? Do you? Do you know the sound of the shepherd's voice? Do you seek it? Do you listen for it? Do you recognize it? Is it a priority for you? In the mid-1990s, senior pastor Wayne Curry of this church invited me to come and share a series of classes on prayer during Lent. Some of you may have attended those classes. I used as the, the core of my presentation a book by Walter Wangren called Whole Prayer, Seeking and listening to God. I recommend it. Walter Wangren says there are four acts of prayer. Very simple. One, we speak to God in prayer. Two, God listens. 
Three, God speaks. And fourth, for it to be whole prayer, we listen for the voice of God. In the book, Wangren explains, if we initiate the first act, speaking to God, God will respond with the second, listening. That is sure and certain. So is the third act, absolutely certain to follow the first two, because God's love promises to speak to us as a word. And if we have never learned the fourth act, listening, if we are too impatient to perform the fourth act, too demanding and unsubmissive to watch and wait on the Lord, then we will never even know that the second and third acts have been accomplished. Without our truly listening, prayer will seem to have failed because communication remaining incomplete did, in fact, fail. Jesus saying that we recognize the voice of the shepherd, this teaching of Walter Rangren is an invitation. It's an invitation to have conversations, two-way conversations with God. It's an invitation to learn God's voice, to recognize when God speaks, and to receive a word that is personally for you. It's an invitation beyond believing in God to knowing God. It's an invitation that's beyond knowing about God to knowing God personally. It's an invitation beyond surface-level spirituality or mere dogmatic belief. It's an invitation that's far more relational than it is intellectual. It moves us beyond simplistic, incomplete ways of praying. You ever noticed how often our prayers sound an awful lot like a child's letter to Santa Claus at Christmas? Dear God, I've been a very good boy or girl. Give me everything I want. Amen. Stick it in in an envelope, mail it to heaven, and just wait for Christmas Day to arrive. According to Wangren, that's incomplete, not whole prayer. A couple of years ago, many of the leaders of this church read together a book by Ruth Haley Barton called Pursuing God's Will Together. It's a book on discernment, which really is about a book of how we listen for God's voice together. Barton writes, we need to know something at a different level than just our intellect. We need time to listen to that still, small voice that is qualitatively different than any other. We need to hear those things that cannot be taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit. Howard Thurman agrees and says, there is something in every one of you that awaits and listens for the sound of the genuine, that's his term for God, the genuine, in yourself. It is the only true guide you will ever have. But if you cannot hear it, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. So how do we become more attuned to the voice of God? How do we get more comfortable with listening for the shepherd's voice. Well, I need to be honest with you. I'm not going to teach you how to do that in one sermon. We don't have enough time this morning to learn how to be good listeners to God or to anyone else, not in one sermon at least. 
And I don't want to present some oversimplistic spiritual formula that will just disappoint you. Listening to God isn't easy. It takes time and intention and discipline. But it is possible. We worship a relatable God, a God that is speaking. The question isn't whether or not God is speaking. The question is whether or not we are listening. This is something God wants, I believe, for all of us. So my goal in these remaining moments is simply to spark your attention and capture perhaps your interest. So let me suggest the following. If you desire to hear the voice of God in your life, you might want to think about the following. One, it begins with faith. Faith in who God is. Faith that God actually does speak to people like us. And faith that God is always speaking to us in countless ways. In worship, when we read the scriptures, when we pray, when we're talking to a friend, when we're listening to music, when we're in nature, on and on and on. Number two, listening to God requires intention, attention, and desire just like it does in every other relationship. The truth is, many of us aren't that good at listening. We tend to get distracted. We hear the sound of a baby instead of the preacher. (laughs) That happens a lot. It also happens in our relationship with God. We have to find ways to focus our attention for a time on listening to God. Number three, it does require a bit of silence. We need to create those places in our spaces in our life where we can turn off the TV, put the phone away, not be distracted by other voices, and give time to God and God alone. Number four, if you want to hear from God, it involves asking. Ask God, speak to me, Lord, and help me to hear. And God honors that kind of prayer. And fifth, I personally, when I feel like I've heard something from God, I write it in a journal. A journal isn't the same as a diary. A diary is a record of events. A journal is a place to reflect. And often when I sense God speaking, I write it. It makes it a bit more concrete. It gives me something to go back and reflect on later. Now, those are just five simple steps. Simple, but not necessarily easy. They have to be practiced. They have to be developed. We have to invest time if we truly want to become people who can hear God's voice. Now here's the biggest challenge that I often hear people say. God's voice, when we listen, rarely comes audibly like sometimes we hear it in the movies. Rather, God's voice often comes more subtly in a still small voice in hints and nudges. And the truth is, sometimes God's voice sounds an awful lot like our own. A question I've often heard and asked myself is, how do I know if this is God trying to tell me something? How do I know if this is just me hearing what I already want to hear? I had a professor in seminary who was a nun who taught classes in spirituality, and I posed that question to her one day. How do I know this isn't just me hearing what I want to hear? And her test was the great commandment. You know it, don't you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. She had a simple rule. If you think you've heard something from God, test it against the great commandment. 
if what you've heard will lead you to love God and your neighbor more, then maybe it's from God. Or maybe it's not, but it doesn't matter. Do it anyway if it makes you love God and your neighbor more. If it doesn't make you love God and your neighbor more, question it. It might not be from God. And finally, I would just simply add this. Whenever you sense God is speaking, whenever you sense God has a message for you, receive it with both faith and humility. Enough faith to acknowledge this might be from God for me and humble enough to know you have human ears and we don't always hear clearly. And we sit with that and we live with that and we wrestle with that until it becomes clearer. Friends, ultimately the point of listening to God is to know God. God is a relatable God. In fact, that's the whole reason Jesus came, isn't it? To make God more knowable for us, more relatable, more approachable. In any relationship, We have to learn how to communicate. Communicating is core to developing a close relationship. All relationships are built on words. The point, ultimately, to listening to God is about knowing God and being known by God. This is what God desires. This is why God sent Jesus. This is what God offers to us every day. Thomas Merton once wrote, in Christ, the gap between God and humanity has been bridged by the incarnation. And in us, the gap is bridged by the invisible presence of the Holy Spirit. Christ is really present in us, more present than if Jesus were standing before us visibly to our bodily eyes. So this morning, friends, Christ is inviting you to become part of his flock, to be one of his sheep, to allow him to be your shepherd, to listen to his voice and become familiar with it. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, they will listen to my voice. My sheep will listen to my voice. Let us pray. And so, O Lord, good shepherd, look upon us here today as your sheep, sheep who seek to be obedient, sheep who love and honor your care in our lives, your shepherding and sheep who are anxious to learn the sound of your voice. Give us ears to hear and souls to receive. Give us time, Lord, to focus more on your presence in us and among us. Help us to hear the words you speak, words of love, words of affirmation, words of calling, words of challenge. Speak to us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. 
For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.